morning, we covered the name of Jesus while studying the names of Jesus. And Lord blessed our hearts, He blessed mine, I hope He blessed yours, just the name of Jesus, what a, what a name, name above every name. 942 references to the name of Jesus in the Bible, 605 in the Gospels, 67 in the book of Acts. There are 532 references in the Bible to Christ. Combined, Jesus Christ, that name together, 189 times. The name Christ Jesus, 58 times. And then the full designation, Lord Jesus Christ, 82 times. So, your, your Bible, your New Testament in particular, it's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. Interesting though, only 17 times... After the book of Acts, do we have the name of Jesus without Lord or Christ? Lord Jesus or Christ Jesus or Jesus Christ, many, 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 many times. But the name of Jesus alone, only 17 times. And those would be verses referring particularly to His humanity and the time that He spent here on the earth. This evening... We're going to look at this name or this designation, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. To do so, let's begin in 1 Corinthians 1 and Romans chapter 1. 1 Corinthians 1 and Romans 1. I, I trust that it irritates you as much as it does me to hear people use... This holy name and designation, Jesus Christ, when they're angry and bitter and swearing. Say all gods are the same, all religions are the same. Well, then why is Jesus universally cursed? Uh, you'd think it'd be, you know, 25% Jesus, 25% Muhammad, 25% who, are, you know, but you don't hear any other, any other Lord or prophet or Savior or God cursed by men when they're, when they're unhappy. They always curse the only one that could save them from the curse. Shows how deceived they are. Romans 1, verse 1, the Bible says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle separated under the gospel of God, which he had promised before by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. God's Son is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is our Lord. There are many lords, there are many masters, there are many men or imaginary men that people follow and that people worship, people adore. Jesus Christ is our Lord. In 1 Corinthians 1, similar statement. 1 Corinthians 1, verse number 1. Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes, our brother, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all and in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. So, Jesus, the name of His humanity... Christ, the title of the Messiah from the uh, promised Messiah from the Old Testament, the man who is the Messiah is our Lord. Now this world, this world, they 
know the name of Jesus, they use the name of Jesus, or better, better said, misuse the name of Jesus, but they don't recognize Jesus Christ as Lord. Save people do. Jesus Christ is our Lord. He's not just someone who gave us eternal life. He's one to whom our life is now subject in time and in eternity. Let's see some things the, the New Testament tells us about Jesus Christ. Titus chapter number 3. Let's go there. Titus chapter number 3. As we mentioned this morning, we like to turn to the Bible verses, like to turn pages in the Bible and examine them, consider them. We'll get in through the eye gate and through the ear gate if we see it and hear it. Uh, Titus chapter 3, verse number 5. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, But according to His mercy, He saved us. Praise God. By the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which He shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Jesus Christ, our Savior. Do you have a Savior tonight? You know Him? Jesus Christ is our Savior. Savior. Just back a page or two, Second Timothy chapter number two. How can Jesus Christ be our Savior? Second Timothy chapter two and verse number eight. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. How can Jesus save those who are dead in trespasses and sins? He paid for their sins. He died upon the cross. He was buried. And the third day, He rose from the dead. Jesus Christ is our Lord. Jesus Christ is our Savior. Because Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. That's in accord with our gospel. See, our, our gospel, we didn't have, have time to look at it this morning, but it, it, our gospel, it is true that Jesus died. Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures. Christ is buried. Christ rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. That is our gospel. But it, it's, it's so often, it, it's not, it doesn't have a proper starting in any place. Our gospel is not the life that Jesus lived though he lived a sinless life. Our gospel is not the birth and the manger. Our gospel is not the walking on the water and the feeding of the 5,000, though Jesus did all of those things. Had he done those things but not died for our sins according to the Scriptures, we would have no good news. We would have history, we would have example, we would have teaching, but we wouldn't have a Savior. He is our Savior in accord with the gospel. The gospel is His death, His burial, and His resurrection to pay for our sins and satisfy the demands of a holy God. People, now, now, here's where people get confused. The New Testament says the gospel according to Matthew, or the gospel according to Mark, or the gospel according... Well, yeah, that's true. It's, that's all good news. But our gospel that we preach, our gospel that must be believed for men to be saved, is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, let, what, what, one side road. Let's just take one more little bend around, around this hillside here, and then we'll get back on the main road. 
When you got saved, many of you, you're living out in the world, you're living out in sin, you didn't grow up in church, you didn't know all these things, you didn't know anything. Somebody on your job began to witness to you. Some relative began to witness to you. Somebody invited you to church, you began to hear, hear Bible preaching. When you got saved, you had to believe that Jesus died for your sins, and you did. Or you wouldn't have, got, you wouldn't have been saved. You had to believe that he rose from the dead, and you did. You believed that, and when, when at an altar in a church service or, or in, your, in your living room on the couch, somebody showed you from the Bible, you're a sinner. You believe that? I do. Wages of sin is death. You believe that? I do. Jesus died for your sins. Do you believe that? I do. He's risen from the dead. Do you I, when you believed the gospel and called on the Lord, he saved you. You did not know about Zacchaeus coming down out of the sycamore tree. You did not know about blind Bartimaeus. You did not know about the temptation in the wilderness. All of the things told about Jesus in the four Gospels, you didn't know or have to know in order to be saved. So they are contained in the Gospel records, but those things are not the Gospel. The gospel that you must believe to be saved is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ according to the scriptures. The other things you learn later. Okay? So, so the resurrection of Jesus in order to be our savior is in accord with the gospel. Nowhere will you read the life of Jesus to be our Savior is in accord with the gospel. His life doesn't save us. His life showed him to be qualified to save sinners because he didn't sin. But if he had said to Pilate, I'm done with this, and ascended back to heaven without going to the cross, you'd have no Savior. And this is why the coexist philosophy... This is why it fails. They believe that all of these men or all of these religious people can can impact your life and have a positive effect upon your life and make you a better member of the human family. And that might be true, but they can't save your never-dying soul. See, the life of Jesus is a fine example. The life of Buddha might be a fine example. If you're a soldier, the life of Muhammad might be a fine example. But, but if you want to go to heaven when you die, a life example can't save you. Got to be the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So, okay, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. The name, the designation, the title... Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 4, verse number 5. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of of Jesus Christ. How do we behold the glory of the unseen invisible God? He was made manifest in the flesh so that men might behold the glory of God. God's glory is revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. Now, why is this interesting? 
we're not the gospel, we preach the gospel. That's what he said in, in verse number five there. We're not the Savior, we preach the Savior. We're not the good news, we preach the good news. Who was a better example of that self-denial than the Lord Himself? Come on. He came in this world and He said, I come not do my own will, but the will of the Father that sent me. I come to lay down my life that you might be saved. I came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and give my life a ransom for many. So the glory of God is not seen. It is ability to overpower and dominate and destroy and create and all of that. He did that for 4,000 years and the human race didn't get it. But they get it in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. The glory of God is seen. It shines in our hearts as we look to Jesus Christ. Look next in 2 Corinthians 5. Next chapter over. 2 Corinthians 5. Verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given unto us, are given to us the ministry of reconciliation to wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing the trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. So, how are men reconciled to God? By Jesus Christ. See, here's man, lost. Here's God, holy. How can a lost man come to a holy God? Well, I'll get baptized. Did that take away your sin? Well, not according to Scripture. I'll join. Will that take away your sin? Not according to Scripture. I'll stop. I'll start. I'll change. But that doesn't take away your sin. Christ died for our sin according to the Scripture. Therefore, we can be reconciled to God by Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. He's our Lord. He's our Savior. He brings us back into a right relationship with God. Who does that? Jesus Christ. Not Pharisees, not scribes, not, not Sadducees. Uh, no religion. Look, if the religion God ordained was insufficient and Jesus had to come, then you know every other religion's insufficient. I mean, there's only one God. God came down out of heaven, stood on a mountain, wrote it down with his, with his finger on tables of stone, said, go tell them, that's, that's the religion I ordained. If that religion's not good enough, none of them are good enough. Takes Jesus. All right, Galatians chapter 2. Romans, Corinthians, Galatians. Next book over, Galatians chapter number 2. Galatians 2. Jesus Christ our Lord... Jesus Christ, our Savior, how? Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. We have the light of the knowledge of the glory of God through Jesus Christ. We are reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. Galatians 2.16 Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. You want to be declared righteous in the eyes of a holy God? 
It's got to be by faith in Jesus Christ. That's what he said. Now, this... I, I know for many of you, it's just, it's repetition, but it's not vain repetition. Stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. And, and to, to say these things again unto you is not, uh, is profitable. It's not vain, it's profitable. Listen, your faith can't save you. Come on now. You had faith before you ever trusted Jesus. You had faith in commercials, you had faith in contracts, you had faith in in gasoline, you had faith in food. A thousand times a day we exercise faith. You put the key in, you turn it, you just fully believe it's going to start that car. You put it in drive, you fully believe you're going to make it home safe and sound. Now, it doesn't always happen, but we believe it's going to. Right? Come on. People, people go to the doctor and, and the doctor says, well, here's what I recommend. And they try it. I'm not anti, anti-doctor. I don't think doctors are saviors. I just, I just, I know people go and they'll pay whatever the price is. They'll do whatever the doctor says. They'll pay for this prescription. They'll take the prescription by faith. Take two of these tomorrow. Take two of them twice a day. And, and Brother Shu, as he gives you your prescription, he will also give you with it a five-page printout in four-point type of everything that might happen to you if you take those two pills. And until one of those things happens to you, you never read that paper. But when one of your ears becomes detached and starts hanging off the side of your head, you say, Honey, quick, give me that paper that came with that prescription. You start scanning it to see if losing one of your ears is one of the possible side effects. Right? You log on. Uh, Do you agree to our terms to log on to the website? Of course you do. Because you want to get on the website. You have no idea what you just agreed to. You know, some of those things, I've, I've, I've seen some of them where they go through and, and highlight them, and, and they're, they're pretty interesting. You have just agreed to make me a peanut butter and jelly sandwich every day for the rest of your life. You've just agreed to turn over your house and property to me and all that sort of thing. And, uh, and so, but, but by faith, we do a lot of things. The Bible doesn't say you're saved by faith. The Bible says you are saved when you take the faith you have and put it in Jesus Christ. Are you trusting Jesus Christ to be your Savior? Are you trusting Jesus Christ as your Lord? Or do you just have faith that because there's a God out there and He's love and He sent Jesus that you're going to end up in heaven one day? You have to put faith in Jesus Christ. When you put faith in Jesus Christ, the Bible says you are justified. Praise God. I'm saved tonight. And I'm not saved because, and this is, what, this is a big thing nowadays. Are you a person of faith? He's a person of faith. She's a, she's a, a singer with deep faith. He's a ball player with strong faith. Now you say what you want about these guys. Whenever they run across somebody that has more than faith, like him or don't like him, they never call Tebow a man of faith. You know why? Because he always makes sure they know what he's put his faith in. Or better, I should say, who he's put his faith in. He doesn't just believe in this vague, nebulous God. 
He doesn't just believe in this invisible force field out there somewhere that makes him try to be a better person. It's Jesus Christ. And that's what the Lord wants from every one of us. I hope tonight you're not a person of faith. I hope tonight you've put your faith in Jesus Christ. Because that's, that's saving, saving faith. Alright, uh, don't lose Galatians because we'll, well we won't be in Galatians again, we'll be in Ephesians next book over. But before we do that, 1 John chapter number 1. 1 John chapter 1. Jesus Christ our Savior. Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus Christ raised from the dead. Jesus Christ the light of the glory of God. Jesus Christ reconciles to God. Jesus Christ justifies those that put faith in Him. By what means? Verse number 7. For walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. How is a sinner going to get clean through the blood of Jesus Christ? Modern versions erase in many, many places references to the blood of Jesus Christ. Many churches moving away from a hymnal full of songs about the blood. Moving to contemporary repetitious chants about I love me, he loves me, he loves I, I love I, he and I love each other because we both love me. Love, 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 me, 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 I, 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 he, 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 he loves me, I love he, we love, we love, 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 love. See, we could do it. It's just not believable when I do it. <laughs> Maybe it's the church clothes and the haircut. Maybe I grew the hair out and dressed like I was going to the beach. <laughs> Listen, you're not going to get clean without the blood of Jesus Christ. My, my first encounter with this, I was knocking on doors in Franklin, North Carolina in 19... 80. That was a long time ago. Knock on doors, 1980, Franklin, North Carolina. Who, who, was, who was not born 1980? Look at that. I don't mean that year. I mean, you hadn't been born yet, 1919. 19. Anyway, and so I knocked on this door, and this guy came to the door in the middle of the afternoon, and he had on a, I, won't, I remember it, he had on a silky blue bathrobe. My first thought was it was odd that a man would have a silky blue bathrobe. If you have one, no offense. I just thought it was odd. And I thought it was odd that he had it on in the middle of the afternoon, but he did. And I said, hi, uh, my name is James. I'm just out knocking on doors trying to tell people about Jesus. He said, oh, I love Jesus. Good, I'm glad. It's great. You love Jesus. And he said, let's talk. So we, we went around to the side of the house. He had a little patio there, and he sat on some, some wrought iron chairs, white wrought iron chairs. We sat at the table there, and he said, okay, you go first. I, I, I said, what do you mean? He said, you go first. You tell me what you have, and then I'll tell you what I have. I said, no, I'll tell you what. I'm curious. You go first. 
He was an Episcopal priest with a doctorate in theology from Berkeley. And he talked about his knowledge of original languages, and he talked about his qualifications for the ministry. Not one time did he say anything about Scripture, about Jesus, about salvation. Not, not, anyway, so, so he got all through. In case you're wondering, yes, when he sat in the wrought iron chair, he did cross his legs, and the bathrobe did fall away to expose his knee. You happy, Giovanni? Because I know you were wondering about that. I didn't say why he was wondering. I just, you wanted to know that, didn't you? It was, it was, yeah. Anyway, I'm not saying that when I knocked on the door, he came out of his closet, but it was, I suspected as much. Anyway, so he said, okay, now your turn. And, I, and I, I'm not going to tell you exact words because I don't remember the exact words, but I said, you know what, I was, I was, I was just a sinner, lost in sin, just doing my, my own thing. And I, and I heard from the Word of God that Jesus Christ came to this world to love me. He loved me enough to die for me on the cross. And He shed His blood on that cross to pay for my sin. And the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleansed me from all sin. And I'm just out here. I want you to know. I want everybody in this town to know before I leave this town that the blood of Jesus... And He said, stop, 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 stop. <laughs> now this I remember. Exact quote. He said, all this talk about blood is making me queasy. Well, you know what? He was making me queasy. <laughs> I'm not phobic. I just... I mean, I'm not afraid of broccoli. I just don't like it. <laughs> anyway. That man and millions like him, they're okay with Jesus. They're not okay with his blood flowing from his nail-pierced hands, his nail-pierced feet, his brow, his back, and his side to pay for their sin. They They are not okay with that being the only cleansing agent that's going to fit them to stand before holy God. Sacrament won't do it. Religion won't do it. Original languages won't do it. It's going to take the blood of Jesus Christ. But the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. You notice I'm trying to be careful, and I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings. I'm just, I'm real cautious as as we ministered our sister Jan and, and, and others, and as I search for my keys... I hear these people all the time say, and this happened to me, and I'll never forget it. I'm through saying I'll never forget it, because I'm forgetting a lot of things. But I do remember what happened that afternoon. I may forget it one day, but I haven't forgotten it so far. And what I realized is, as a young man out knocking on doors, and this is one reason why we encourage you all to do it, is there are a lot of people who do love Jesus. Just not the Jesus of the Bible. They, they love a Jesus they invented because He suits them. 
And the, the Lord doesn't say God wants to be reconciled to you. He wants you to be reconciled to God. That means you got to move. You don't get to move God. You got to move. And that's that's a difficult thing to preach in this day and age because people find it offensive. Okay, while we're here, let's go to the very next chapter over, 1 John chapter 2, verse number 1. My little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins, not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Now, for our purposes tonight, Jesus Christ, he's not righteous, he's the righteous. Definite article. That means nobody else is. Even after you're a child of God in this verse, he's the only one righteous. Now, let, let me, just a couple of reasons why that's important without getting too far off our study of the name of Jesus Christ. First of all, when the Lord saved you, justified you, He did not make you righteous. He declared you to be righteous. There's a big difference. I am not going to heaven because God made me righteous. I am going to heaven because the righteous one, Jesus Christ, now stands in my place and I get into heaven on His righteousness. Now, the reason that's important is a lot of people doubt their salvation or have been taught and can be taught that they can lose their salvation if after you trust Jesus, you aren't righteous. 1 John 2, 1 says, I'm not righteous. He's righteous. He's the only one who is righteous. I want to be, I'm trying to be, but I'm not. Now, next thing about the verse. These things write on you that you sin not. That's what the Holy Spirit said. Don't sin. Correct? And the next sentence is, but if any man sin. Uh-uh. He said, and if any man sin, because he knew before he wrote it you were going to. Why would you need an advocate if he had made you righteous? Why would you need Jesus to plead for you if you weren't ever going to do anything wrong? See, I put my faith in Jesus Christ. I'm reconciled by Jesus Christ. I'm justified by Jesus Christ. And when I don't live like it, shame on me. But I have an advocate in Jesus Christ who alone is righteous. Fair enough? Okay, third thing, and then we'll go to another verse. Do you know who stays in church? People who believe that. Do you know who can't last in a church? People who don't believe that. Now listen. What's going to knock you out of church is not your unrighteousness. It's your inability to cope with the reality that the person sitting next to you is not righteous. 
And before you strip your gears and leave a church because you found out a family there did something you would never do, they're not righteous. And you're demanding that everybody be as righteous as you think you are is going to keep you bouncing from church to church to church until you quit bouncing. Because you've tried them all and there's just no good church out there. Of course there's not. Because you're looking for a room full of righteous people instead of looking to the righteous one, the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you're only going to stay here till you find out I'm rotten, bye-bye. May as well go now. Save yourself the heartache and the shock of finding it out later. I'm not righteous, though I want to be. And this gonna, if that doesn't make you leave, this will make you leave. And you're not righteous. Oh yeah? Well, what have I done? I don't know, but you did it. And you know you did it. Look, you can only claim you're righteous if the only commandments that count are the ones you're comfortable with. Is that fair enough? So, how how frustrated and offended and angry can I be with you when I find out you're not righteous when the Bible already told me There's none righteous, no, not one, only Jesus Christ. So when you encounter unrighteousness in a brother, a sister, a family member, a pastor, a church member, get over it. Why let it ruin your life? Why let it ruin your fellowship? It's not news. Bless your heart. If you send me 25 more emails this week about Obama, look, I'm already, I know, I'm already convinced. And if you call me or text me or email me or Insta something me or tweet me or whatever they're doing now, and tell me, you know, there's somebody in that church and they're doing some stuff that you don't know about, yes, and thank God I don't know about it. It's hard enough to get here knowing what I know. I don't want to know the rest of it. And you know what? The only reason you're here tonight is you don't know everything about me. God knows about me. Well, what are you doing? Forget what we're doing. How about what you're thinking that you haven't done? Okay. So, anyway, that's, that's another little side road. But Jesus Christ, He's righteous. And when we're not, He is our defense. Don't defend yourself. Just go to the Lord. Lord, I'm sorry. And I'm not just apologizing. I'm sorry. All right. Ephesians, chapter number 2. Ephesians, chapter 2. Talking about Jesus Christ tonight. Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2, I'm going to say this based on experience, many years of experience. People who come here looking to Jesus like it and they last. 
People who come here looking at the people don't last. You're not going to enjoy Christianity looking at Christians. You can only enjoy Christianity looking at Jesus. You get your eyes on what people wear and what people eat and what people do and what people don't do and what people's habits are and what people's habits aren't and all that. You're done. You're done because nobody sees it your way. And the fact that that's what you're looking at shows that, that you're trying to find a place where everybody sees it your way. And then people come, well, you know, it's a pretty good church, but uh, there's some things around here I'd do different. Who asked you? The only reason a person throws that on the end of it is so you'll know. It doesn't measure up to me. I'll, I'll tolerate it as long as I can, but it doesn't, it doesn't measure up to me. And I just, I felt you needed to know that I'm better than this church. Well, then you're done. And you'll be done at the next place and the next place and the next place until pretty soon that your church is the living room and the other members of your congregation can't wait till they're old enough to change churches. This church is not good enough. Okay, I'm not. Anybody else here, not good enough. Alright, good. So let's just keep our eyes on Jesus and try to close one and a half eyes to everything else. And We're not talking about tolerating and covering up sin. We're talking about taking yours as seriously as you take everybody else's. Well, I can't believe you did that. What about you? Are you that offended and upset when you do something? Well, preacher, I just thought you need to know uh, what, I saw, what I saw him doing the other day. How come you never come and say, I think you need to know what I did the other day? Isn't that something? We see another guy do something, we've got to go tell the pastor. But we do something and we hope nobody ever tells the pastor. That's, that's strange business. All right, we better get back on track here. Ephesians 2, verse number 20. And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are built together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. Now, now let's say this carefully, because it, it follows, follows in just what we're saying. Who's the chief cornerstone of the church? Jesus Christ. And every stone in that church is in some way connected to Jesus Christ. Correct? That's what you just said. So, so we're studying Jesus Christ. He's chief cornerstone of the church. Now, now watch this. Because this, this, this helps me. It'll help you. Every part of this building you're in right now is attached directly or indirectly to the cornerstone, the foundation stone. Right? See this window right here? It's in the same building, but it has no connection to that light over there. Though they both have a connection to the cornerstone. These blocks right here, they have no connection at all to that door back there. But they're both connected to the cornerstone. In a a congregation this size, you're not going to like everybody. You're just not. Well, I don't believe that. You, you like you don't believe it. Every time we have dinner in that fellowship hall, you sit with the same people. 
and there's people you've never sat with and you're never going to sit with them because you've got nothing to talk about. Right? Come on, it's true. I know when you get your tray, you're going to walk in that room and look for the same five faces. Where are they? I, hey, brother, there's a seat here. No, that's okay. Uh, <laughs> seat right over here. No, no, I'm, I'm uh, no, it's, it's okay. It's okay. What's wrong with him? Uh, brother Abdul there. What's, what's wrong? Look, there are people here with different interests. There are people here with different personalities. There's people here with different approaches to life and things. You, you know that. Well, how can we be fitly framed together? If what's important is our connection with the cornerstone, not our connection with each other. You get all hung up sitting over there in your window and you're all hung up on what that door is doing over there. That's not, that's not your issue. This was supposed to be about Jesus Christ tonight. But we're, get back to this in a second. I, I don't like being old. I don't like having children that are adults. But I am so glad that it's, it's been a decade since I was in an argument about whether you use computers or videos or no materials at all to be really and truly homeschooling. Thank God I don't have to get into that anymore. We, we ride bikes. We don't ride bikes. Christians don't ride bikes. I'm just, I'm just so, I'm so glad that I'm out from, out from under all of that family trying to out-spiritual the other family and prove how holy we are because we don't wear red socks. You know, there was, a, there was a group in Europe once that wore red socks and they took the sacrament and said, okay, fine. You just stay over there and be a door and I'll stay over here and be a window and let's just rejoice in the chief cornerstone. See, now I said that, and some of you aren't going to want to sit with me at the next fellowship dinner. (laughs) Who's the chief cornerstone? Jesus Christ. Who are we all joined to? Jesus Christ. How are we going to enjoy fellowship with each other if it's all about Jesus Christ? That's got to be the main thing. If that's the main thing, you're going to last in a church. If you've got some other main thing, you're going to have to find a church that has that as the main thing. You're not going to last in a church where Jesus is the main thing. Just, just how it is. Here's what I do now when I get sick. I take everything that everybody brings me. I used to say, no, I don't think all doctors are the devil. I used to say, no, I don't think all herbs heal. And I used to say, well, I tried that and it didn't work. Now it's just whatever you want to bring me, I'll take it. I'll thank you for it. I mix it all together. If it doesn't blow the house up, I'll swallow it. (laughs) Because look, something worked for you. Something didn't work for you. Something made you sick. Something made you well. Hallelujah. I don't have to take the same headache potion you do for us to fellowship together. Please. Well, you know, Pastor, I thought he's a pretty good guy, but I heard he went to a doctor. You know, doctors, they just get up in the morning and figure out ways to kill people. 
if you believe that, don't go to the doctor. Well, you know, you really ought to try this. There's this guy I met, and he's, he's from Thailand, and he, and he boils this stuff that he gets out of the pond. And I took it, and, and, and look, you know, I'm, I'm 20 years younger, see? Mm, yeah. 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 Let me take my glasses off. <laughs> yeah, you're looking good. <laughs> Come on. We don't have to agree on everything. We have to agree on Jesus. If we agree on Jesus, let's enjoy that. All right. Quick, quick, quick. A lot of side roads on this trip here tonight. Titus chapter number 2. No, no. 2 Timothy 2. 2 Timothy chapter number 2. 2 Timothy 2. Verse number 3, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. You want to stay in the battle? You want to stay in the fight? Do it for Jesus Christ. Don't do it for victories. Don't quit because of defeats. Don't do it for, for friends or church or praise or glory. Just do it for Jesus Christ. Be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. You stay in the fight. Okay, let's finish up with this. Come to 1 Peter, 1 Peter, and as we pick out in 1 Peter the use of Jesus Christ, it's quite a picture. 1 Peter 1.1, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. So there's a message Jesus once proclaimed to all the world. Chapter 1, verse 2. Like to court and foreknowledge God the Father through the sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be God, God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Chapter 1, verse 7. Let the trial of your faith be much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Wherefore, for, uh, chapter 1, verse 13. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end, for the grace that be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now look what you have in chapter 1. Apostles of Jesus Christ proclaim the blood of Jesus Christ, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that we might be saved at the appearing of Jesus Christ, as we wait for the grace to be brought us at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's a, that's a loaded chapter right there. Chapter 2, verse 5. Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ who makes our service acceptable. Chapter 3, verse 21. We, are, we have an answer to good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then 1 Peter four eleven. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. I hope tonight you know... Jesus 
Christ. Amen. Father, bless your word to our hearts, we ask and pray. In the name of your dear Son, amen. Amen.